As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldred Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. How's the weather where you are? I figured that's how I'd start the podcast off, is seeing how the weather is. Uh, hopefully it's warming up for you. Um, it's getting warmer here in New York. It's, it's unpredictable, right? It, it fluctuates. It's, uh, it's like uh, when I'm talking to a female and I don't really know where she stands. It just fluctuates. You never really know what the heck the other person is thinking, unless they're really good and open and transparent about their uh, feelings and communications. So, uh, <laughs> crazy that we live in a world where I have to preface this, but let me just go ahead and say that goes for both sexes, okay? I'm not just saying that women are that way. I, I figure guys are that way too. Maybe women think guys are, are very difficult to read, so. All right. Are we, are we all on the same page again? Awesome. Hopefully the weather is good, guys, uh, is what I'm really trying to say. It's been raining this weekend here in old York City, uh, which is... I love rain. Rain is restorative. Rain is a sign of a new beginning, washing away of the old and cleaning for the new. Uh, unfortunately, not really good for my new shoes when I'm wearing that out in the rain. Uh, I got some new Jordans not long ago, and like a freaking Dumbo, I wore them out yesterday in the rain. And, uh, not the, uh, the best for the shoes. Walking around the streets in New York in rainy weather with some new Jordans that have white rubber bottoms. They're boss shoes, though, I have to say, and luckily I did waterproof them, so I know I'm flipping all over the place unexpectedly here. I'm like a salamander that you can't catch with my words. Uh, but it was, uh, hope I'll have to take a look at the Jordans and see how I really feel about this entire thing when I'm done recording this podcast. What I'm trying to say is I hope the weather's good where you are. Good morning. It's morning for me. I don't know what time it is for you, because... It's whatever time you decide to let this podcast enter your eardrums. Really, that's what. So, good morning, evening, as Jim Carrey would say. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. All right. Um, the f so, everything I've said so far on this podcast doesn't matter. Do you agree? Awesome. But you know what? Sometimes things that don't matter are still entertaining and and the, the entertaining and the feeling that we get from that is what matters right so if you're feeling happy right now and you're like oh, I'm just I'm happy to hear Mike's voice it's pleasant and I I don't care that the content didn't really enrich my life and there was really no value from the perspective of usefulness with that with that information and with what came out of my mouth um, as long things don't always have to be useful that's what recreation is guys sometimes recreation isn't useful in your life like being debriefed before a, an important meeting um, 
you know what? I'm gonna say something deep here. I'm gonna I'm gonna f- philosophize for a second. Maybe the things that matter are the things that don't have usefulness, but the things that have usefulness don't matter. <laughs> uh, what I mean is, you know, like most people would say. Um, I don't know if that's true, okay? So forgive me for speaking nonsensically here on an early Sabbath morning. It's Sunday, February 10th, 2000, and, um, hang on a second. It's February 11th. It's my dad's birthday. I need to, uh, call my dad and wish him a happy birthday after this podcast. That's, uh, wow. That's crazy. It's like his 71st birthday today. Wow. He's like 40 years older than me. I'm 31. I'm drinking a shake, a smoothie here that I made. Strawberry, banana, no homo. Um, Do I have to say no homo anymore in this day and age? Um, Do I have to say that it was consensual when I'm telling stories anymore? I mean, come on, guys. You should know that I'm always saying no homo even when I'm not saying it and it's always consensual when I'm telling you stories about girls. Alright, so far we are, uh, however many minutes we're in, I don't have the screen in front of me and we still haven't talked about anything useful, Um, but uh, hopefully you're having a good time. You're like, why do I listen to this? Why do I put this nonsense in my eardrums? I like it though. It makes me happy. Right now I'm smiling. And that is what matters. The fact is that I smile right now. It's what makes my day good. And if my day is good, then I get to do other things that are useful. Things that I don't think that matter, but they are useful and they do help me move my life forward. I hope your life is moving forward right now, guys, is what I'm trying to say. I want to be the fuel that propels you moving forward positively and happily. I am premium fuel. Is what I, is what I, that's what I aspire to be. Is I aspire to be your premium fuel, your premium, your tackling fuel, tackling fuel, um, go, go out, grab the world by the tail, pull it down, put it in your pocket, because you are fueled by Michael Oldred's comedy podcast, alright, so the first thing I want to talk about today, after that several minutes of nonsense, um, let's call it a warm-up. Those were our calisthenics that we just, uh, completed in the Michael Oldroyd comedy podcast. We're just, we're just getting a feel for things here. We're just, we, we, we spent the first couple minutes really just kind of loosening up the vocal cords and getting into a flow. Now, I want to talk about something that I think we all, or at least most of us, participated in exactly a week ago, which is Super Bowl Sabbath. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Did you have a good time? Um, did did your team win? I would like to shout out to the uh, to the Eagles uh, and Nick Foles, Nicholas Foles of the Eagles, Saint Nick Foles, as some people are calling him. In fact, I actually I didn't know that was his nickname, and I was live tweeting the game. And I came up with that nickname independently, which is kind of remarkable um, that, um, you know, I came up with that nickname independently. I can't take credit for it because other people were calling him that first, but I can take credit for, 
uniquely coming up with a nickname, which happens in the creative arts from time to time. You know, two ideas can simultaneously be created from different minds that happen to be exactly the same. Um, it can happen by happenstance. Um, nevertheless, St. Nick Foles is what I was calling him. I tweeted, I live tweeted the game. Feel free to check out my hilarious tweets. Some of them were funny. Some of them were insightful. Some of them were just impulses. You know, I was, it was my stream of consciousness for the most part during the game out. And I was exhausted afterwards. I'm not going to lie. I was very tired after live tweeting the game. I feel like I was probably more tired than some of the players. I, I remember third quarter rolled around, and I'm like, oh, crap. We got another quarter and a half left. This is exhausting. I could tell that the fatigue was causing the quality of my tweets to decrease. And for that, I'm not going to apologize, but I will acknowledge that. Uh, I, I do think that I had a couple gems um, that got released into the Twitter universe. Um, last Sabbath, so believe it or not, last Sunday was my friend Jimmy Bariolis's birthday. Um, or as I like to call him and his wife, Mr. and Mrs. Bariolai. Um, but yeah, it was his birthday. What a, what a present, right? He, he lives in Philly and, uh, even though he never pays attention to the sports, even though he's from Kansas City and wasn't even watching the World Series when the Royals were playing. Happy birthday to him. It's the only time he's ever going to get a Philadelphia Super Bowl on his birthday. Um, not to say that the Eagles won't win another Super Bowl, but let, let's put it this way. If St. Nicholas delivered presents to all of the children and they took those presents and burned the house down, do you think St. Nicholas would give them presents again in the future? Because I personally don't. Unless they took responsibility for their actions and apologized and tried to rebuild the house. Um, if that was the case, uh, maybe St. Nicholas would consider, um, you know, because new year, new me, right? Hey, new year, new me. Uh, I'm, I, I, I want to, uh, you know, put back the signs that I tore down and, and you know, those fires that I started in the streets, uh, you know, when I rioted after uh, we won the Super Bowl in Philadelphia, you know, uh, I just want you to forgive me, Nick Foles. I want you to forgive me, St. Nick Foles, and uh, bring us another one, you know, a second Super Bowl movement, please. Um, <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is, Eagle fans, act like you've been there before, you know? Come on. Um, Rome hath fallen, guys. I mean, the Patriots dynasty, uh, they didn't win the Super Bowl. You know, Thomas Brady, Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas Brady, uh, Brady Bunch, St. Thomas Aquinas Brady Brunch, here. St. Tom, I like to extend words that just like each. Each word at the end connects to something new and completely random. St. Thomas Aquinas Brady brunch for chicks on Sunday. Uh, lost. And uh, I, I respect him. You know, what an amazing uh, competitor. Uh, people were starting to get ready to call him the Michael Jordan of football, which, come on, let's let's <laughs> take it down a notch, all right? Even if he won, that's, that's saying a lot. Uh, nobody's like MJ, you know? Hold on, let me take a sip of my smoothie.
as I gather my next thought. Um, I wonder if Nathan watched the Super Bowl last Sunday or if he was delivering a sermon. Do you guys remember me talking about Nathan last week? My buddy Nathan, the phantom that disappears and reappears into random parts of my life. Who knows if he's even real? Anyway, Nathan, uh, the Nathaniel Apostle, uh, I wonder how he, I feel like Nathan was probably happy if he watched the Super Bowl at the end of the game. You know why I think Nathan was probably happy at the end of the game? I don't think Nathan really cares unless he's from Philly. I don't know where he's from. Um, but I think that he would have cared because both the head coach and Nicholas Foles, St. Nick Foles, gave it up for a higher power on the podium, which, you know, can turn a lot of people off. Um, but at the end of the day, if that's what you believe, I think it's fantastic uh, to, to share how you believe, knowing that people will be repulsed by your words from time to time. Um you know, it's kind of like me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blasting into the universe from the center of who I am <clears throat> here uh, in my closet, and uh, that might piss some people off. Some people not, may may not like what I have to say. So I respect and love uh, what Saint Nicholas Foles said: "Giving it up, giving all glory to God, baby." You know, uh, I'll do the same. I'll do the same, Nick. Hey, me too. I'm not making light of the Me Too movement when I say that. I'm just, uh, I'm on board. I'm on board for uh, submitting to love. Hey, the only thing I get on on my knees for is love. You feel? You guys feel what I'm saying? Uh, I used to take one knee for football, two knees for love, you know? All right. Um, no homo. Hashtag no homo. <laughs> um... Yeah, let's see here. Um, I think everybody in Philadelphia had diarrhea, uh, especially d toward the end of that game when it was getting dramatic. I don't know why Thomas Aquinas Brady always have to, has to make it so freaking dramatic and have it come down to the wire. You know, everyone was just having diarrhea. I wonder if that girl that I met at the, the gay bar on Jimmy's wedding... Um, you know, the one that I told you guys I fell in love with uh, within five minutes. I wonder if she had diarrhea because she was nervous as to whether or not the Eagles were going to win. Uh, I don't know how she's doing. Maybe I should text her. I'm going to text her and say, congratulations, fly, Eagles, fly, you know? Maybe that'll, maybe that'll get her attention and get her back, you know? Hey, congratulations on the Super Bowl. Did you have diarrhea when you didn't know if they were going to win or not? Okay, well, I didn't hear back from you, so I just wanted to reach out and say hi. Maybe we can hang out, you know? I want to come to Philadelphia and uh, hang out with you guys and jump on the bandwagon right now, you know? I was a Patriots fan in the first quarter, a Philadelphia Eagles fan in the second quarter, and I flipped twice, you know, for throughout the game because I have no loyalty. No, that's not true. I... I I don't. I didn't care, as I told you guys, which has nothing to do with my love for the game. Um, anywho, oh, I wonder how Sylvester Stallone and Mick were doing um, during that game. I'm sure Mick had probably four or five heart attacks. I know that Mick's not a real character, guys. Okay, but follow me on this. Mick probably had about four or five heart attacks. Rocky had the paddles. And every time there was something dramatic that happened in the game, Rocky had to, uh, you know, pull out those um, paddles and revive Mick. 
Uh, I think I ruined it when I said that I know that he's not real. It would have probably been funnier if I just pretended that it's real. I apologize to you guys for ruining that if I did ruin it. Maybe you were entertained, and then I apologize for apologizing because the apology might have ruined something that you already liked, and in that case, I do apologize, you know? Um, Michael Sylvester Stallone, guys, that's his name, and uh, I think I think Rocky um, is a is a fun Michael uh, story, right? We got Michael B. Jordan in Rocky Forty Eight recently, or whatever number it was. Michael B. Jordan, Michael Jordan. I got to put the B in there because he's not the Michael Jordan that we know. Um, and then Mick. Mick is a is a nickname for Michael. It comes from the the term Mickey. Uh, you know, Mick's the Hey Rock. Uh, you know, uh, if I could just uh, have one more chance. Hey Rock. The, the Eagles are about to score again. I think I, I feel uh, I feel a pain in my chest. Oh no problem, Mick. Let me get the paddles here. Lay down for a second. I'll, get, I'll revive you, but you know, Saint Nick Falls is a, is is gonna pull it out. I gotta have faith, you know. I, I know that Saint Nick Falls. I have faith, you know. He he he's he's gonna make it happen for. Oh, Mick, uh, you you you're not there. Okay, somebody somebody hit that button over there. <laughs> uh, hey, Rock. Thanks. You're always here to. Save my life. Yeah. I don't know, something like that. Um, speaking of Mick, I, I went to the Disney store a couple of days ago, Friday night in Times Square. I wanted to see if they had any uh, droid sweatshirts. I wanted to get a, the droid sweatshirt, maybe with a little BB-8 symbol on it. You know why? Because I'm a freaking dork. I went from being a jock to a freaking dork. Uh, but I am the droid. That's my nickname. And the name of one of the names I'm I'm toying with names for my show coming up on February nineteenth. I think I am the droid is one of the names I may go with. Or LOL Droid presents. Um Anyway, the my favorite tweet of the Super Bowl, not of mine, which is hard to believe. No. I think it'd be uh kinda ridiculous if I got up here and read off my favorite tweets of myself. Um, that would be so ridiculous that it might be humorous. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to shout this one out to Ramp Capital, at Ramp Capital LLC. It was the tweet that said, Congratulates, congratulations to the New England Patriots for winning. Hashtag Super Bowl 52. And then the picture is a picture of Steve Harvey in a tux with a big go goofy grin. Uh, I think the picture was actually taken the night of Miss Universe when he made the wrong announcement. So, very funny, very humorous. I got 48 retweets and 225 likes. You know, guys, how much I love the number 48. I see numbers in, in things. Am I weird for that? I love... I love, um... I love numbers. I love, uh... You know what I mean? I love, I, I love the meaning behind things, including numbers. 48, awesome. You guys horny? So we talked about the Super Bowl. I think that that part has a little bit more that resonates. Um, so I think that that part matters a little bit more to you guys because you can kind of latch on if you watch the Super Bowl movement. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the commercials. Did you guys like? Uh, I liked I liked a lot of the commercials. The the Keanu Reeves ones uh, got got me. Anytime you have Anthony Hopkins, you know. Looking awesome. Anthony Hopkins is the man. Let's give it up for him. 
All right. Um, I guess moving on. Uh, the other day, speaking of football, though, it's a, it's an appropriate segue. Uh, I. I. Bye. Bye. Oh. So yeah, speaking of football, I came across. I came across this article. Uh, not long ago from the St. Louis Dispatch in the spring of 2007. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I was mentioned in the article. I, I hadn't seen this one before, um, but it mentioned me as well as three other wide receivers from Mizzou. I'll read an excerpt from the article. The article was uh, talking about the Missouri Tigers in spring football and how the team was coming along. And keep in mind, this was the year that we had the most successful team in school history. This was the spring before that season that started, you know, in August or September. Anyway, um, there's two paragraphs. The first one is uh, about the other receivers. The second one's about me. Um, three receivers are mentioned. J-Mac, Jared Perry, and Denario Alexander. J-Mac is a, if you don't know, it's Jeremy Macklin. Um, and they all played in the NFL, so... This is them before they were big stars, but as they were about to explode onto the scene, especially J-Mac. So, wide receiver Jeremy Macklin had several heads turning today with some sure-handed catches. Pinkle said Macklin is excited about being able to play at full speed with the team. He's listed at third. He's listed as third at H receiver on the team's depth chart behind Jared Perry, who moved from X receiver, and Denario Alexander. But I'd use the spring depth as a guide more than gospel. That was the first paragraph. Um, talking about J-Mac, that was when he was coming off his uh, injury. He blew out his knee uh, in practice his freshman year and had a, a gigantic reconstructive surgery. In fact, Denario destroyed his knee um, later as well, and they both had to come back from terrible uh, knee injuries. Anyway, the next paragraph says, Speaking of wide receivers, Michael Oldroyd, a redshirt freshman from Eureka, made some nice diving catches in practice. Oldroyd is a walk-on, but already a favorite among some of the other receivers. During a one-on-one -on -one drill, several teammates were chanting his name. So, I saw that, and um, obviously it, it brought back memories, right? It brought back a few memories. <clears throat> It also brought back some feelings, right? Feelings sometimes are attached to certain memories. Uh, football is... Um, football, when it comes to me playing and, and um, the dream that I once had for playing in the NFL, uh, it, it is very dear. It's, a, it's buried deep down, you know? Uh, it's hidden in my closet. <laughs> um, yeah, football... football it means a ton, and um, it's cool to be married. Uh, it's cool to be married. Uh, what I mean, it's cool to be mentioned alongside uh, these guys that played in the NFL. You know, J Mac was um, obviously probably the most successful uh, of everyone. He had the most successful career. I'm not sure what his current status is, but you know, people always wanted to talk to me about J Mac once he got. In in the NFL and was is produced. He was playing for the Eagles for a while. Speaking of the Eagles, um, did really well for them. Um, staying healthy has been a struggle for him over the years. But he's when he's healthy, he's he really produces. A lot of people 
have used them on their fantasy football squads, and um, they always ask me about what it was like to to play, you know, to be on the team with him. What, what's he like in person? I can I can say, you know, he's a human being just like everybody else. You know, one time going into the season, especially, you know, I was looking at any of these guys, and you know, they're all um, scholarship athletes. I was a walk on, you know, and I wanted to to be the best I could be. I wanted to contribute. I wanted to play. So, you know, I'm eyeing guys like J Mac. You know, I've got a, sh- a chip on my shoulder back then, and you know, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna. I'm going to do what I got to do to, to move up in the depth chart and to, to become relevant here, you know. Um, but J-Mac was really cool to me. You know, some of these guys that had full-ride scholarships, they didn't need to help me. In fact, you know, you know they, they're already on their track. You know, the, the, you know the, the school invested a lot of money in them for full ride scholarships and the, the, the team has invested in them the coaches invested in them and they're kind of on par and on course to you know to be the stars <clears throat> of the school so anything that they did to help me achieve you know um you know my dreams are helping me to become a better receiver or was always and will always be, you know, appreciated. I remember J-Mac used to hint, you know, he would, like, give me some gloves, right? Because the, the equipment staff treated me like shit along with every other uh, walk-on. There was one guy who was who was cool in the equipment staff. The rest of them were uh, honestly <laughs> douchebags. Um, and uh, there was one guy um, that was really cool to me, so I can't say the entire uh, equipment staff. There was there was one guy that was awesome, actually. Um, he was he was secretly awesome and respected what I was trying to do, um, and the rest of you know whatever. Uh, J Mac would 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 uh, get a lot of uh, perks and whatnot, and he would give them to me. You know, he would, sometimes he would give me like gloves and things like that, hand me down stuff, you know, and. It, more quality equipment than the the free for all trash basket that the equipment staff like to put in front of me as a joke. Um, nevertheless, though, <clears throat> um, it was cool getting to know J Mac, um, and you know, wa- watching him become more and more successful at Mizzou as as the years went on. Um, you know, he was doing it right, right, right in front of our eyes, and uh, you know, of course, I wanted to be a star and play um but that doesn't need to be you know it's kind of like comedy right like i want to be a successful comedian but it doesn't mean i don't want to see my friends be successful i think every i think that there's plenty of room for success to go around we should all want to be successful and ultimately the team is what matters most right the team being successful and we were we were that year. Um, we were tremendously successful. You know, we won the Cotton Bowl. We were number one in the nation for a week. And um, it was just cool. You know, guys like Will Franklin showing me how to inc- improve my 40-yard start, my 40-yard dash start. Will Franklin went on to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now he's coaching at Mizzou. Um, you know, J-Mac, we would – I remember one time we went down to the – practice facility you know no one else was working out we were putting in extra work and we just went to those machines where you put the football in the in the uh whatever you want to call it device where it shoots it out somebody has to man the machine so we would take turns 
get a bunch of footballs and just throw like you know catch like 10 passes from this angle 10 passes from this angle 10 passes from every angle that you can imagine uh, and we worked on cuts you know I was like Jamie you make some of the best cuts how do you how, how are you so efficient and smooth with your cuts and he helped me in fact I ended up uh, before I got hurt uh, I was top three on the team for the three cone test and I had one of the best eye tests on the team these are the tests that we do at the combine when you go into the NFL the only people that beat me were guys that also played in the NFL. Denario Alexander was better than me at the three cone that that spring, uh, which is the spring of 08, and Kevin Rutland was. And then I was like top. I wasn't too far behind, or I, I was pretty low on the in a good way on the on the eye test, which is basically um, a lateral movement test. Uh, my 40 wasn't. <clears throat> Tremendous. I think it was like four six, if I remember correctly, four point six six or four point six two, um, somewhere around there. And then my vertical, I think, was thirty one, maybe. I can't remember what my vertical was uh, off the top of my head. Denario's was like forty two. I remember that, which was like, wow, jeez, jeez, Denario. <laughs> um, but nevertheless. Um, the article brought back memories, and it was cool. It was cool to get a little bit of love because, you know, the, the, the star players um, naturally get a lot of that spotlight. But every once in a while, if, if uh, some reporters are paying attention to practice and they notice something like that happening that day, um, it's nice that it, it was recognized. Um, anyway, moving on. <clears throat> That's all I can think of for now. Um... I told you guys I wanted to go to the Michelangelo um, exhibit at the Metropolitan, and I can I can happily tell you and report back to you listeners that I went I went to the Met yesterday just to see the Michelangelo exhibit, and um, I'm glad I went. Uh, my friend. And my my only friend in New York City, Brian Patrick Kelly. No, I'm kidding. I, I do have more friends, but I'd say he's my best friend out here. Um, he, he's like my Sam on my journey. I told him yesterday, for my current stretch of my comedic pursuit, he's like my Sam from Lord of the Rings that helps move this thing forward. Um, you know, he's supportive, thinks I'm funny uh, 90% of the time, which is which is a nice stat. I don't have any data to back that up, but you know, if he was here, I'd ask him. Hey, hey, Brian, how, how much how much a percent of the time do you think I'm funny? Um, no, but we we went. Uh, he wanted to check out the Met, so he spent a couple hours there. I don't really care too much about um, art. Something art is certainly something. You know, I uh, my mom loves art. My brother is like a tremendous talented artist. Uh, I love art, but I, I think already art is really subjective. I mean, this podcast is art. Everything can be construed as art, and, and it's all how you define how do you define art, right? You can get some snobby people out there that have been educated that are going to give you their definition that they read in some textbook. But again, is that how, how artistic is that? Art art is something that's um, comes from within I think uh, I, I've heard a definition of it once that I like art is where the defi- where divinity meets the human touch so kind of like Michelangelo's painting the 
in the Sistine Chapel, there's one called, um, um, what is it called? The creation, the, the beginning of time or whatever, where God touches man's, Adam's hand, and it's the point of contact there. I think that point of contact right there, that spark of the two points, that is what art is. Um, because it, it, it brings two, it brings, it's the, it's the overlap, it's the Venn diagram between divine and human. Um, and I think that's what, what tickles us so much. And um, <clears throat> I think Michelangelo is obviously one of the, the greatest artists. I mean, he was, the Renaissance movement was, was uh, tremendous. I love Renaissance artists, you know, Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, I mean, dude, if you ever, Leonardo da Vinci was so awesome in the Da Vinci Code, am I right? I mean, Dan Brown really made this guy cool. No, um, no, I, I love their stuff. Uh, I do like that book, but it would be heinous if that's where I was giving Leonardo his his credit, right? It would be heinous to to <laughs> to assume that that's what he should be known for. Uh, have you guys heard of Leonardo da Vinci before? Oh, yeah. I read Da Vinci Code. Um, but nevertheless, um, my nickname is Michelangelo uh, by, some, by some standards. Some of my friends call me Michelangelo. Some call it my Michelangelo Oldroid. So technically, I was actually at my own exhibit yesterday. Um, and frankly, I was... If I were to be getting interviewed, I would uh, have a few things to say about it that I was displeased with. First of all, I would like it if people would have the opportunity to view my art without having to wait in long lines. I mean, that takes away from their ability to truly appreciate my art. Um, I, would, I would prefer a virtual reality tour um, for people to experience my art. But if they wanted to be able to touch the busts, which you can't, because, hey, they're fragile, all right? Don't you try touching the penis of Statue of David, uh, even though Statue of David wasn't there. Um, <clears throat> what else do I not appreciate about my art? Uh, yeah, people trying to summarize me, you know, with their thoughts. It's like, yeah, uh, no, okay? You, you sit here and you think you can, can define me? No, you can't, okay? I'm Michelangelo. Um, I wonder how Michelangelo is doing. I wonder how his soul is doing, you know? <laughs> I hope it's doing awesome. He wrote some really deep stuff there. Um, uh, you know, I, I love the sketches. Um, I think as far as sculptures go, you know, he's probably the most, that's probably what he's most known for in, in standing out. Leonardo da Vinci kind of reminds me of some of the way, the way they would sketch, um, reminds me they're they're very similar in those ways to me at least but the sculptures um are really what stood out to me and then the, the religious um work that michelangelo did uh you know he spent the last 30 years of his life in rome and the stuff that intrigues me most about him are the love letters that he wrote to this woman that he met later in life i think the last 30 years of his life uh, and then his religious uh writings Right, um, well, I find that stuff the most interesting uh, out of everything. I mean, sure, the busts are dank, you know. Sure, statue of David standing there naked with a small penis—that's a fun thing, huh? Uh, you know, all of his uh, busts. Uh, I don't know why you got to make the penis so small, uh, 
Michelangelo. What are you trying to do here? You know, I don't know how much Statue of David would appreciate that. You know, I'm sure he's like, hey, Michelangelo, can't you help me and you know just make my penis a little bit bigger? I mean, why do you got to make me look like a freaking goon? Um, did they circumcise back then? I don't know. Anyway, though, I um, I do have some nunchucks. Speaking of Michelangelo, um, I wonder how I wonder how Michelangelo would feel if. Uh, he knew that there's a, a ninja turtle named after him. I think he'd be flattered. You know what, let's ask him. Hey, Michelangelo, how do you feel about a ninja turtle being named after you? Well, I think it's awesome, you know, because he represents good, and nunchucks are freaking badass. And I love Bruce Lee, so the fact that nunchucks and Bruce Lee are intertwined gives me a boner. And I'd like to create a bust of Bruce Lee. And, um... I'm not going to make a tiny Asian penis joke right now because I'm Asian and that's not nice. Okay, moving on. <clears throat> um, Michelangelo. I went to Florence actually, um, which is where Michelangelo started. Michelangelo started his art career. His first big piece was the... Um, the attack of St. Anthony, what's it called? Where the the different demons are attacking St. Anthony from all angles. You know, you got these weird-looking creatures. There's, like, a couple things that look like a fish. Like, what is that? Is that a demon or something? Like, come on, what is that thing? It's not even scary. It's dumb-looking. Yeah, I think that's cool, you know. Uh, dehumanizing the demons, you know, making them look like buffoons. Uh, appreciate that, Michelangelo. Appreciate you shedding your light on them, showing how dumb they look, you know? Nobody wants to be one of those stupid fish-looking things. Um, the Attack of St. Anthony. I forget what it's called, though. Nevertheless, though, um, I did go to Florence with my buddy Jimmy Bariolis, who you guys have heard me talk about a thousand times. Uh, I was not there with Mr. and Mrs. Bariola. It was just Jimmy at the time. And uh, we, I think the thing that stands out to me most from my experience with Florence actually is when we stopped by this little leather jacket shop called Michelangelo's. Um, there was this sweet old man named Lapo who really liked Jimmy and I. In fact, he wanted to go in business with us. He's like, you guys have what I look for. You know, I want to open shop in Santa Monica Boulevard, another Michelangelo's, and we want you to run the shop for us. And uh, I, we actually considered it. We exchanged emails, and I would still do it, but my dream is comedy, not to open a store for Lapo. Um, however, if I had the bandwidth in my life, at some point, and he's still around, Lapo, if you're out there, I'm talking to you right now. I'm still interested. Uh, just let me let me achieve a couple more things in comedy first, and then uh, you can you can slap my name on Michelangelo's opening. No pun intended. Um, and uh, we'll we'll do the darn thing. I'd love to open a store with you. And I think you mentioned New York too, right? You wanted to open one in New York and one in L.A. Happy to do that with you, Lapo. Um, you did a great job of selling me that jacket, by the way. I remember when we went in there, uh, I got a really cool, like, black leather motorcycle jacket. And Lapo was like, ooh, that jacket is you. That's the type that uh, Brad Pitt wear. You know, Brad Pitt wear this jacket uh, in movies. And when he comes to Europe, he, he loves he love Florence. You know, he has... Uh, anyway, some, I, I'm sorry if the accent's completely off. But guess what? You guys don't know. 
how do you know that Lapo is actually from Italy? I'm gonna I'm gonna buy myself some insurance here and say, he may, who knows where Lapo is truly from? And that actually sounds just like him. So how dare you judge my accent, thinking that it has to be Italian? Uh, Lapo did a great job of selling that jacket because as soon as he mentioned Brad Pitt, I was like, all right, sold. I was like, do you think uh, Michelangelo would create a uh, a bust? of Brad Pitt because Michelangelo for some reason only made sculptures of dudes with tiny peni I'm not saying Brad Pitt has a tiny junk I, I don't know but if he did create a sculpture uh, of Brad Pitt since he always creates tiny peni I assume that he would do the same for Brad Pitt and then put my jacket over the bust you know I think that'd be a great sales method just have a, a have a Hey, hey, Lapo, here's a sales strategy, all right? I just thought of uh, something for our store. Uh, whenever we, we need to create an exact replica, like a wax thing of Brad Pitt, and then just put whatever jacket you want around Brad, and whenever people come and be like, yes, this is the jacket Brad Pitt wear, and they'll probably buy them. Um, nevertheless, Lapo, you made some good money off Jimmy and I that day. We each bought two authentic leather jackets. Uh, I think Jimmy bought one for him, two for himself, and I bought one for me and one for my girlfriend at the time. Um, and um, that's the story of Lapo and Michelangelo's. I had a little. Uh, I got. I got the um, <clears throat> embroidered Michelangelo in the back of it. Um, it's on my Instagram account if you guys want to check it out. Um, one of the places, one of my favorite places in Italy that we went to was Venice. Um, it's actually one of my favorite places in the world. And when we went there, it happened to be really cool timing, at least for me. You know, we like we t talking about weather at the beginning of this podcast. That relates to Venice right here. So, Jimmy, when I Jimmy and I went there for I think two nights, one or two nights, um, into Venice. We were going to different parts of Italy. You know, we went to Rome. Speaking of Michelangelo. Oh, and the Sistine Chapel was closed that day. Uh, wow, I'm all over the place here. So when we went to, to Rome in Vatican City, um, the Sistine Chapel was closed. So the one part of the Vatican that I did not get to see with my own eyes was the Sistine Chapel. They were doing reconstruction uh, or preservation of it. Um, what was cool is we got to go down into the tombs where many of the popes were buried. Um, so if you've seen the movie Angels and Demons, which is a, down, a Dan Brown book, this is all ties together. Wow, this is kind of crazy um, how everything's intertwined here. If you, if you watch or read the book and watch the movie Angels and Demons, um, you know where that guy um, like burns himself alive at the end of the movie? That's He's walking down the stairway to where the popes are buried, the tombs of the popes. And for whatever reason, it was open the day we went and I got to go down there and there was families like leaving flowers for their past popes. And one of the things that's like stuck, st stuck out to me, um, during my trip to the Vatican is time. Um, which I'm going to talk about more here. To me, time was very, we only, you know, time is a very interesting thing. Um, and they had like, 
it seemed like thousands of popes and just like different people listed throughout the history of time to where it became so overwhelming to digest how many like rulers there had been or leaders at the Catholic Church, whatever it had been. It was just like, just like a Rolodex, like an, a gigantic number of people that have um, been at the top. And I guess the takeaway was um, everybody wants to be king in this world. You know what I mean? Um, and when it all washes away, that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are king or not, you know? Um, everyone's reaching, guys. And I think it's important to, to reach for the right things. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm articulating... I don't know if I'm articulating this the right way, but I guess it'll make you think deep going to the Vatican. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Someday I'll have to go back and see if I can see the Sistine Chapel. They did have a, a, an example fresco or an example Sistine Chapel yesterday um, at uh, the exhibit. You know, obviously it's not the same, but it was the ceiling uh, replica. It was a replica of the ceiling. So that was kind of cool. Um, Shout out to Damn Daniel. Something about Daniel was mentioned on uh, on the Sistine Chapel, so that gave me a boner because, uh, you know, one of my best friend's names is Daniel. So, you know, I just think Damn Daniel when I see that and I get a boner. All right. Um, you guys will have to uh, check it out sometime. Go to the Sistine Chapel. I don't know. All right. Um, what else did I want to talk about? So when we went to Venice, right, that's what I was going to mention is that uh, the weather there was was really unique. It was mis mysterious. It was kind of uh, overcast. There was a lot of fog and rain. And Jimmy and I stayed not on the mainland part of Venice. You had to take like a water taxi to get out to this random island. And when we were taking the taxi to get there, it was all fog. So in all directions we couldn't see you couldn't see where you were going and we we had never been there so like in a way it's kind of if you allow yourself to be scared you can be right because it's just him and i with these random people that don't speak english on a boat going in a direction that we've never been and it's just fog which made it very adventurous it made it exciting and fun you know and it rained all night. I think we were really tired that day from all the traveling. So we just went to the hostel, and there was, like, no one there, which made it even creepier. Um, Jimmy passes out, and I was – it was raining outside. And I remember I had a notebook, and I was writing down, like, formulas for time travel. Uh, and the reason I talk about this is because it, it goes back to our friend Hieronymus that we met in Amsterdam – and Hieronymus is a physicist who studied at CERN, which is the lab from the movie Angels and Demons. Um, and there's a thing called the God Particle uh, in that movie, um, which is basically the, a particle where you can um, separate things down to the moment of creation. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the flick, um, you know, and I asked Hieronymus if all that stuff is true. When I first met him, he's like, hi, my name is Hieronymus, and I'm a physicist from CERN, so if you have any questions about the universe, feel free to ask. 
Uh, so I was like, is, is the God particle a real thing, you know? And, uh, he, he said it is, I was like, is it, you know, since it's a Hollywood movie, they kind of make things more exciting than they really are. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a movie, but he did study at that lab CERN and he's like, I don't know if I believe in God, but I am searching, um, which I thought was, I appreciated his honesty. I was like, I thought you, if we have any questions about the universe, you have all the answers, right? <laughs> Um, so, no, it was, uh, Hieronymus and I are still friends. If you want to look him up, he's on Facebook. We're f look up our mutual friends. Geronimus, I think. I don't even know how to spell it. Hiroon, J-E-O-R-E-O-N. I don't know, something like that. Hiroon! I was like, I, I answered my phone once. He called me for some random number when he was in the U.S. And I didn't know who it is. And I said, hello. And he's like, hello, this is Hiroon. And I was like, who? He's like, Hiroon, you silly bitch. Um, so that's Haroon, a.k.a. Hieronymus. Um, I love that guy. He, uh, he told me he never wants me to give up on trying to make the world a better place. Um, so Haroon, my commitment to you is that I won't. Um, I won't give up. I won't stop trying to create laughter, Haroon. Haroon! Uh, Her Hieronymus and I uh, swam around in the ocean when he came to visit, and I don't know if he had ever been in the water before. He was like playing in the ocean in a, in an atypical way, which was just very carefree and and I guess you know just like I don't know. It was cool to see like just you know someone. Most people like are you know there's like a certain way of doing things like oh I'm gonna put on my Ray Bans now and I'm, let's play volleyball for 20 minutes and then he goes. Uh, cool off in the ocean for two seconds, but not look like we gotta look cool the whole time. You know, Haroon was just like out there flapping in the flapping in the wind like a free bird. You know, just jumping around in the waves. It was it was adorable. I think I'm gay. No, I'm just kidding, guys. Um, <laughs> um, no, he. Um, what happened? Um, Hieronymus, we were going to talk... Okay, so he taught us about this thing called the twin paradox, which is uh, how time and space are interrelated. I don't know if you guys knew this, but time and space are connected, and the faster you... Sorry, the speed and time are interconnected. Um, and obviously, you know, space is, is part of that equation because you can't travel without space, right? So the faster an object is traveling, the the slower they experience time and they don't the object itself doesn't experience it differently but time around them changes uh, I'll give you an example um, if you we're all moving at all times right we're, we're on a planet right now revolving around the Sun and we are not the Sun doesn't revolve around us as Copernicus or whoever it was Isaac Newton one of those ancient uh, scientists discovered and, and a lot of religious people at the time were like no, the sun revolves around us. That's like an Asian accent. It was not, it was in Europe. But um, nevertheless, we are all moving at all times. Um, if you believe in science, uh, some people don't, uh, which is scary. Uh, hey, oh. Anyway, um, we're all moving at all times. And according to the twin paradox, say you take two twins, uh, if one of them. Um, gets on a spaceship and travels very fast. Um, when they come back, uh, their twin will be older than them, the twin that stayed on Earth, right? Um, because 
Uh, when you speed up, you experience time at a, at a lower thing. If you take your watches, your your watch will have a different time on it than the watch. If you take two watches, two twins, when they say bye to each other, give each other hugs, and they have their watches looking, at, you know, like the... Uh, say you take an Apple watch. Uh, they're both going to say the same time. When they come back, if one of them was traveling, the faster he went, the bigger time gap there will have been in the one who is traveling faster, meaning that the one who stayed home and was chill uh, is going to look older and he's going to have more wrinkles and gray hairs. Um, so nevertheless, um, believe it or not, I am good at uh, math. That was one of my... I um, I got a, fi a perfect score on my AP calculus test in high school, um, so I never really had to take math classes in college except for like some statistics stuff, which is... Uh, watered down math. It's not real math. <laughs> anyway, um, I uh, I was doing all these like parabola, like these equations for time travel and figuring out the mathematics. You can travel forward in time physically. Like it is possible to do that. It's a stu. No one would ever. It would be a dumb thing to intentionally travel forward in time unless you're getting something out of it. There's got to be some kind of a trade-off, but to say that you just want to travel forward in time, there's no reason to do that. Most people would want to go back if they could, which I think you're starting to mess with the laws of nature if you try doing that. Physically, I don't think we have... Mathematically, you can go backwards in time, but you can't go backwards in time um, without... Uh, like mathematically, yes. Physically, I don't know. You, the con I don't think there's a contraption that allows for that math to take place because, you know, you're dealing with negative numbers there. Um, nevertheless, I was like obsessed when we were when Jimmy was sleeping in Venice and it was raining. I was like a mad scientist, like doing all these equations <laughs> for backwards time travel. Um, and that's my experience in Venice. It was it was a lot of fun. We walked around at night when all the shops were closed and looked in, and we were just exploring, dude. It was it was it was freaking it was awesome, you know. It was awesome being in a random place and in the middle of what felt like nowhere, um, disconnected from everything, and trying to just exploring the city and all the the alleys and stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah. Eh. It was, it was crazy. And then I said, "Jimmy, will you marry me?" And he's like, "No, I'm gonna get married to a woman." No, I. Um, speaking of that, let's talk about my online my online dating. Um, I think you guys will enjoy this. You know what? Before we talk about my online dating, um, I do want to talk a little bit about. Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to play you guys a quick sample of some of my stand-up comedy, and then I'm going to riff on that for a sec. I think you guys will appreciate it. Here we go. Speaking of online dating, here we go. Take a take an ear, an earful. Anybody here single? Anybody uh, on the online dating apps? No? You haven't tried it? You think it's stupid? Yeah. Uh, I think it's... I think it's more opportunities, more more potential doors to walk through. You know, I'm on all the dating apps. I'm not embarrassed. Never yeah. be my, age, my age range is 18 to 75. I like to keep my options open. You know what I mean? I'm 31. Yeah, I'm 31. I'm 
kidding, guys. My, my age range is actually 18 to breathing, <laughs> which is apparently not funny to you guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it really is 18 to 75. I've never hooked up with a, with a 75-year-old woman, um, but I'm not saying I would. You know, you just never know. I'm not going to be discriminating. If I did, I'd make sure that it was mutually beneficial. You know, both in bed and afterwards, I'd make sure I put a little bit of WD-40 in the wheels of her walker. Because <laughs> I'm a gentleman. You know what I mean? Empathy's my greatest strength. All right, so that's a little clip for you guys there to, to get your wieners wet. Um, <clears throat> it was a small crowd, uh, end of January. I think January 27th was the date of that. Um, one of the jokes, not necessarily the best uh, sampling of me telling that joke, but ne nevertheless, you, you get a... You get a sample of it, you can hear a couple chortles, there's different variations of that joke. Either way, um, you know, I am on all the online dating. A, a lot of that is based on truth. I've never, I don't have the desire to hook up with a 75-year-old woman. Um, but then again, uh, one of my friends told me, I think we were like 25 at the time, so I'm older now. It's not as as big of a deal as it used to be, just the fact that I'm getting older. I think we were when we were like 25. One of my friends told me that one of his friends hooked up with a 64-year-old woman. And when I heard that, I got jealous. And I wasn't jealous because I necessarily want to hook up with a 64-year-old woman. I got jealous because the dude had so much confidence that he didn't care. Right and and of course I I want to make I also care I do care that the woman it's not just for him like I don't want like some I think it's not cool if the guy's just like hooking up so that he can say he hooked up with a sixty four year old woman like I I hope that she had a good time because otherwise I'm not cool with that sick situation do I have to say that guys I mean you should just know it <laughs> oh golly you know the world we live in today. Anyway, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, I, res I, I respect the confidence that that takes, and Frank, I'm at a point in my life where I don't need to prove that to myself, you know, I don't need to hook up with a 75-year-old woman to prove to myself or give myself the pat on the back for having the confidence of doing that without feeling like... I, I guess it's less it's less it's less of a of a thing in New York, but in Missouri, if someone hooked up with a sixty four year old woman, because because socially people are more judgmental there, um, uh, it makes it cooler. <laughs> it makes it cooler to hook up with an older woman because you're like breaking past society's expectations. It's like wow, that dude's pretty boss. I'm jealous. That guy doesn't care. Does, does that make sense? In, in New York, it's like, wow, is that guy just attracted to 64-year-old woman? Like, why else? I, I guess the, 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 the needs for doing it for social breakthrough uh, doesn't exist in New York, so it really just comes down to, a, wow, he must be attracted to older women. Good for him, which doesn't have as big of an effect, I guess. Nevertheless, it is what it is. That's the joke. I, um, I want to give you a, a sample of... Like, uh, maybe I should start giving you guys samples of online dating conversations I have. Here's one from OkCupid. I've done this before. I read you a long conversation of a with a girl that I met on Bumble. Um, here's a short conversation with a girl I never met on OkCupid. 
Uh, this is a girl that goes by the name, uh, a woman, I should say, by the name of White Rabbit. She's 40 years old from Astoria, New York, where a 79% match on August 6, 2014, at 12:35 in the morning, aka shortly after midnight, um, three and a half years ago, I said, moving to New York, smiley-faced. Right? I wasn't in New York at the time, and I was starting to set up the pieces. Right? I was moving the chess pieces forward to see what I could flex with here in New Old York City. Uh, I moved to New York that January, a couple months later, and. Uh, you know, gotta 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 put the the chess pieces in place. I know Michelangelo did that with his art. Uh, anyway, I followed up uh, a couple months later when I didn't get a response to that. December fifth, December fifth, two thousand fourteen at twelve oh four a.m. Hey, I'm moving to New York after the holidays. I like your picks. Any good stories from OK Cupid so far? After that message. I did not get a response. So that's two unresponded messages. For whatever reason, on February 3rd of 2018, I sent a follow-up. It was just a heart. That was it. Just a heart. Four years later, um, no response, but a red receipt. So that's a good sign, guys. I know at least the messages are entering her. Uh... It's crazy. Four years later, both of us are still on OkCupid, and yet she's still resp she's still ignoring my messages. She's really holding out, guys. I love it. I love her style. <laughs> um, so she was forty back then, which means she's like forty-four now. Uh, I don't know if that's how it works. Maybe she, maybe it stays up to date. Nevertheless, though, uh, I was gonna go on the TV show The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. Um, I know you, I told you guys that a while back, and some of you may be like wondering if that's gonna happen. You're patiently waiting, like the good boys and girls in school, unlike the good boys and girls in Philadelphia that destroyed their city after they won the Super Bowl. Um, I, I do have an update for you, which, uh, you know, I just said it, which is I'm not going on The Bachelorette this spring. They're filming um, here coming up soon. Uh, I'm sorry if you guys were excited. Uh, didn't mean to give you blue balls there. Um, my goal is to metaphorically get you off in a different way um, with me being on TV. So for those of you who are excited to see me, make my debut on television and or movies. I'm still working on it. Um, um, I've got some stuff in the works that's promising. It's not guaranteed right now, but it is promising. Nevertheless, I am focusing on getting better, um, and that's really um, the majority of, uh, uh, of what's important at the moment, you know? So... That's that. I, I I never even I never watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette TV show, but I started recently because uh, of the phenomenon that online um, what is it live tweeting has to offer. It's such a it's a fun thing live tweeting, and I've enjoyed it so much that piss on it. I'm I'm watching The Bachelor now so that I can live tweet it. Uh, Thank Zeus, Crystal was kicked off. Anywho, um, I'm going to wrap up the class by telling you 
I'm in Improv 401 now in, at UCB, so I'm moving forward in that way. Uh, we just started last week. Uh, our improv group is uh, separate to that. Clickbait, we're continuing to get better. Uh, we have a really cool teacher. He's very funny. Um, and I made a, made a video sketch this week. So my, my green screen arrived. I made a sketch um, on Instagram. Check it out. Uh, at the droid is my handle. Um, oh, did you hear that? That was my stomach. Um, crazy. Um, I want to make a sketch of me interviewing Michelangelo from the old days where I'm playing both parts. I think that'd be funny because I'd be interviewing me, essentially. I'd like to ask Michelangelo how he feels about the fact that I think I'm a reincarnated version of him. I'd like to know his thoughts and find out when I ask him <laughs> in the interview. Um, also, um, I, I think it'd be fun to do it like the Between Two Fern style where Zach Galifianakis has uh, interview guests, except I'd be playing both parts. Nevertheless, uh, I'm going to end by talking about one or two other things, and then I want to mention that Valentine's Day is coming up uh, quickly here. Valentine's Day, it's on uh, Wednesday, I believe. I have jury duty that day. I specifically got jury duty because I work from home. I got to choose my day, and I was like, well, I know I'm not going to meet a girl by working from home, so maybe I'll meet a chick <laughs> if I get out and go to jury duty. I'm really... Uh, Putting all my eggs in one basket here, guys. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not actively looking. Um, you can't. You can't look for love. Um, whether you try to or not, the same result is going to happen, um, which is when, when the time is right and it's the right match, it'll even – if I am intentionally trying not to look for love, it'll still find me when the time is right, I believe. So it does not matter. Your efforts don't matter. You can't earn love, guys. You cannot earn love. It's a gift and not accomplishment. Speaking straight from the heart and written by Michelangelo Oldroyd. Uh, speaking of that, I wanted to end by my final tribute to Michelangelo for the day. Um, my senior year in high school – I took an art class. Uh, it was drawing. It was like the easiest possible class. It was like my last semester of high school, and it was with all freshmen. Um, I had a big giant afro, and I was I wasn't a jerk, but I I was very checked out, right? I mean, I I graduated with above a 4.0 GPA. I didn't need. I didn't even need to show up if I really didn't want to. So I was really just completely going through the motions we had a very sweet and nice teacher her name was miss kramire we had a good rapport and don't think i was just some terrible evil little child for her i think she enjoyed it but it was hilarious because i you know so all i cared about at that time was uh it was spring semester so i was just focused on track and it was like the last class of the day so i was already thinking about what workout i was gonna do and you know, whatever, what have you, right? So she would, it was such, she would be like, all right, class, today we're going to, we're going to draw uh, a steeple. Or, or today we're going to draw, you know, we would draw like Gotham churches. Gotham style churches was like one of the, one of the lessons. This is a flying buttress, right? Whatever. And I'd be laying down underneath the desks 
um, taking a nap. Uh, we would like clump like four or five desks together, and, and, the, and the freshmen would all be like, you know, this is a freshman class, so everyone would be there, and she'd be giving out the instructions. And I'd be laying under the table, and Miss Kramer would be like, I called her Miss Crayon, by the way. She'd be like, wait, where's Michael? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wouldn't even answer, and she would like walk around, and she'd, she'd like look under the table, and there I'd be, and she'd like, Michael, get up. And, and I would say, no. She'd be like, Michael, get up now. We're in class. It's time to focus on drawing the, the transept or whatever it was. And I was like, no. Uh, and she'd be like, Michael, if you don't get up, I'm going to have to send you to the principal's office. And I was like, no, Miss Crayon. And, you know, everyone was like laughing or whatever. It's all how you say it, right? And, um, and she was like, Michael, go to the principal's office. And I was like, and I just didn't respond. I went back to sleep, you know, and she would move on with the lesson. Um, and uh, I remember we had uh, the principal come in one time while I was laying down. I saw him walking. I just very casually got up and sat down, you know, so smooth with no, like, admission of guilt that I don't even think he thought twice. Like, why was Michael Oldroyd on the floor right there? Um, but yeah, shout out to Chad DeWitt, who was in that class with me and Dwayne Brooks, uh, Chad, I know you, I know you loved my humor in that class, dude. And I appreciate you getting it. And, um, Dwayne Brooks, thanks for letting me call you Cobra against your will. You didn't even know why I called you Cobra. Maybe you did, but it's because you had a thick neck you used to work out. Uh, and you had some big like traps. It's, it's, it's a compliment to you being buff, bro. So, uh, Chad used to like it when I would just look at him and I'd be like, Cobra! And then I'd just go take a nap. <laughs> Those were the good days. Miss Kramer thought I was a really good artist, um, and that I had great potential is what she would tell me. She'd be like, you're so good at drawing, but you never finish what you start. You just, you never care to put the color in, and you never, you just draw the sketch and then you take a nap. <laughs> and, uh... I think that's why I think I'm the reincarnated version of Michelangelo is because uh, pretty much all the pieces of art were just sketches, unfinished sketches with no color. Very few of them had color except the, the attack on St. Anthony or whatever. That was a fully fleshed out painting uh, with the, uh, the demon fish. Uh, my mom loves to paint. My brother is a very talented artist. Um, and unfortunately, he doesn't have the motivation anymore. Uh, but my mom is really, she's taking art classes now, and she's learning, like, all the ins and outs. And uh, it's crazy and cool. And I was like, Mom, I want you to continue to take art classes so that you can get to the point where you don't need the class. Like, take so many so that you can get to the point where you can just paint whatever you want. She's like, unfortunately, I don't think I'll ever get to that point because I'm not very good at drawing. And I was like, well, that's ironic because I'm very good at drawing, but I hate doing anything after that. I was like, how about we set up a system where I'll draw a sketch of something, whatever we want it to be, and then you can do all the work, which she loves to do. It's like the perfect combination. So my mom and I are going to, uh, we have that in the back of our minds, and I think that it sounds like a very fun, um, a very fun thing for us. Um. So that's my tribute to Michelangelo, um, Michelangelo Oldroyd, guys. Anyway, 
Hope you guys have been well. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you guys have a great week. I love you. Remember, the only thing I get down on my knees for is love, no homo. All right? One love. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny? Arrivederci.